causing discord in my house after the discovery of the mini ice cream cones from Trader Joe's. They're so good. They are. I had always seen them and been like not that intrigued. Same. And then maybe it was because of Fire Island. Is that what happened? I th- yeah, that, that is. I think that's what uh, preempted your purchase. Yeah. Okay. So they only have four flavors and I think it's like vanilla, chocolate, chocolate chip and coffee. And so I wasn't that enticed, but then I bought them and they were so good. And when I was editing the Fire Island podcast, I ate so many of them at once. And then when I posted about them on Instagram, many, many people messaged me to be like, I love these. For some reason, I had the idea that because they were frozen, like the cone probably was going to be a little soggy. You know, like I think I was thinking of those like drumstick... They're they're not super crisp, but I don't mind that. It helps with the crumble problem. Yeah, I, I don't mind it either. I however I bought some after you were like, oh, these are good. And they were good, and I was like pleasantly surprised. So there are eight in a pack, which means that for Alex and I, we each get four. Very reasonable. So we were like, mm-hmm. Alex had eaten all of hers. I had eaten like three, and we went out to dinner. And then we were driving back from this delicious dinner. We had like a wonderful time. Um, I'm on the road back and I suddenly go, you know, I'm so I'm, I'm going to eat my last tiny ice cream cone when I get home. And Alex full on immediately bursts out with, there's none left. I ate it. And then I was like, wait, what? Like, I thought she was joking because this is the person she is. Like she... That's that's very yeah. Accurate. She frequently will like, and I was like, "Wait, are you serious?" And she was like, "Yes." And they like, I I thought if she could have, she was going to like open the door and like roll herself onto the highway. <laughs> like, she was like covering her face. She was like so upset. She was like, "No, I ate it. I'm so sorry. I like I I was hoping you'd never find out." But what I don't understand. Is like, presumably you had not bought these or eaten the third one that long ago. So I don't know how she was hoping you were going to forget about the fourth ice cream cone and she would never be found out. Exactly. I had like, you know, eaten the third one like two days prior. I mean, I think she was just like, I was just overcome by like logging. <laughs> like basically. <laughs> Look, I completely understand although what really happened with the fire island thing was at a certain point i was like well now there's so few left they're basically melting i'm performing a service (laughs) yes we later then bought more tiny ice cream cones i ate zero zero of them and she ate all eight and then she told me we can't buy these anymore (laughs) anyway trader joe's is to be blamed for my eventual divorce (laughs) (laughs) no no you'll be fine they are always fighting about food (laughs) It's an ongoing problem. If it was going to tear you apart, I think it would have happened by now. That's true. Anyway. Speaking of people who are torn apart. Welcome to Rom-Comathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And this month, we're here to talk to you about Netflix's persuasion. (laughs) Well, we briefly discussed the trailer. Yes. And I have to say, the trailer did not um, do this movie justice. You know, I have to pref I have to just say straight up, like, if you're waiting for me to bash on this movie, I'm actually, I thought it was fine. I thought the film was fine. Uh, did I think it was Persuasion um, with protagonist Anne Elliot? No, but, 
But as a yeah. film, it was fine. I think I feel similarly. I feel like I was like, I thought this was very bad, but I didn't have an awful time. Yeah, I laughed. Um, There were moments that I enjoyed. Uh, To preface, like, okay, so we watched the trailer, you know, a month ago. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, weird that she said, like, we're exes. Like, that seems really modern for persuasion. I love how, like, how Austin. mildly you took this, whereas the rest of the internet, like, got out their pitchforks. It's also worth noting that neither of us is a huge persuasion or Austin person, although we are familiar and have both read it if we were better podcasters we probably would have reread it no no we read it like at the beginning of the pandemic so but then mm, i don't know a weekish ago in our group chat with our friends was it you or was it someone else it was alexandra she sent a scathing review which emotionally prepared me for what this film was because I think I thought like the excess thing was like a weird lapse. And I now realize that that mix of very old timey and extremely modern is what this film is. Yes. Which to be fair, I don't hate. Um, I don't hate like the flea bag asides to the camera either. I just was like, you know, if we went with like WWAD, what would Anne Elliot do? I mean, it wouldn't be this. I have no problem with trying to modernize, but it was a very odd mix. It was it was weird. <laughs> it was not both the article and Matt who had not read the article were kind of like, "Oh, they're trying to do Bridgerton." And I was like, "Yes, but I feel that Bridgerton has a very clear delineation of, like, which parts are modernized and which parts are not, and that was not the case here. It did seem really inconsistent, and one of those inconsistencies was, like, turning Anne Elliot into an alcoholic. Like, I was like, I don't really understand what this choice was. Well, the character thing is another problem, because I was basically like, oh, so in order to make clear how depressing Anne's life is, you've made her annoying i guess like yeah i don't know like she's she's bridget jones okay but here's my thing right i didn't didn't necessarily need to watch an hour and a half of dower and elliot either like she's so dull in the book i know everyone is like ugh, the prose like you know it was jane austen's most like mature work who cares and elliot is a bit of a wet blanket let's all let's all <laughs> just like call a spade a spade okay and elliot is not like one of austen's like great literary heroines okay she's sad and then she gets her man somehow um <laughs> There was a part, but like, it's a very tame book. Like there is dramatic stuff that happens, but not to Anne. Yes, that is true. She's just like on the outskirts the entire time, which I guess is why you have the device of like Dakota Johnson talking to the camera. But like, yeah, it was definitely to deal with her like interiority, but it's weird. Yeah, Dakota Johnson is a lot more interesting than Anne Elliot. So I was like, I don't know who this is, but okay. I've never been into Dakota Johnson before. She looks great in this film and she is doing her best with this material. Oh my God. Okay. So I asked Alex if she wanted to guest on this podcast episode because she fucking loves Dakota Johnson. (laughs) From her work in everything. Um, yes. Huh. Yeah. 
So um, Alex just loves her. She thinks she's very beautiful. She thinks she's very funny. She just loves Dakota Johnson. After this movie, I agree. She was like, I don't want to appear on your podcast and then get roasted by your listeners for, you know, just having a Dakota Johnson like gush fest. And I was like, I mean, like, who cares? But it's it's fine. I asked her if she would like to prepare a statement and she did, but then she got a migraine. Oh no, I know. So she, she did want me to say something about Dakota Johnson. And I will say that I agree with both her and you in that Dakota Johnson looked really beautiful in this film. Were her outfits all period appropriate? No, 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 no. At one point I was like, <laughs> why does she why does she look like a secretary in the 30s? But it's fine. The costumes were frankly the least of my concerns. Yes. <laughs> um I will say about persuasion in general, and I will summarize the plot. That there was a point where I was like, yes, this is the good part. And I realized, A, how late in the book the good part comes. And also how incredibly tame the good part of this book is. I do remember when we were like reading it as a group, we were like, okay, this is not, okay, nothing really happens. (laughs) I think there were four of us and one of us gave up. Anyway, Anne Elliot, played here by the very beautiful in this film, Dakota Johnson, is a retiring young lady by which i mean old crone because she's like in her mid-20s she is the middle child of a well-off family where mom is dead dad is a vain spendthrift and her sisters are both terrible in different ways years ago she rejected frederick wentworth played in this film by the hilariously named cosmo jarvis because everyone around her persuaded her that she was too beautiful and rich to marry someone evidently not as beautiful and rich well, I think he was also beautiful at that time because everyone in the movie is like, oh, he's so hot. And he's like, fine, I guess. Um, he was only okay. His He makes a joke that I did kind of enjoy where he was like, it was before I was rich. It was not before I was handsome. But anyway, he's now a successful Navy captain and a catch and she hasn't met anyone else and she regrets all her choices as she withers on the vine. Dad, however, is in dire financial straits due to the fact that he loves nothing but his own face. So they rent their home to an admiral who just happens to be Captain Wentworth's brother-in-law. And by pure coincidence, he's coming to town and Anne is staying with her sister nearby and she and all her relatives are just like walking around with him all day and night. At one point in this movie, Matt was like, do these people have nothing better to do than eat bread and walk around in single file lines? And I was like, pretty much. They're the peerage. Are they the peerage or are they just gentle people? They're just gentle people. Anyway, Anne kind of distantly hopes they'll reconcile, but he is a bit cold, as you might imagine. And essentially, they're both really repressed. So he thinks that she's no longer interested maybe or just is still mad at her for throwing him over i don't know they have like a couple conversations through the movie like you know with their relationship which was weird because in the books i think they barely interact until like the end well this was greatly modernized you know so it's they're worse than strangers their exes and then their friends oh, whatever God, terrible. so anyway <laughs> she thinks that he's into her sister's sister-in-law who is young and in this movie thinks that the way to charm a man is by not knowing how to use she is however very beautiful she's adorable yes we were like i don't know who this actress is but her face is great and she gave an incredibly endearing performance yes um anyway so she thinks they're getting engaged and then she almost gets engaged to her cousin who is her father's heir blah 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 jane austen the queen of miscommunication 
finally he writes her a letter confessing that you know he lives and breathes for her or whatever and they finally reunite did i miss anything important no no i don't i didn't really get into the details of the miscommunication but i'm not sure it matters for the purposes of our discussion yeah it's just like a whole lot of pining yes she pines then he arrives and they both pine and then they clear it up in writing Yes. Okay, so about midway through this film, I think when they were talking to each other on the beach, I and he was like, let's be friends. And she's like, oh God, okay. I realized that Cosmo Jarvis was talking really weirdly and I just couldn't get over this for the rest of the movie. And so for the rest of the film, every time he spoke, I was like, I can't, I can't deal. Why does he speak? Matt hated him. Matt had a real Cole Sprouse reaction. I was like, I don't hate him. I'm not like into well, it. Nothing but. is like me and my hatred of Cole Sprouse, apparently. But <laughs> in that specific film, yep. But um, which I was an opinion I did not share. I was like, it's a shame that Dakota Johnson couldn't be with Henry Golding, who she had much better chemistry with. Oh yes, the cousin is played by Henry Golding, the most beautiful man in the world, cosplaying Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, it's not his fault that he was in mourning clothes, <laughs> but he did look a bit. Bleak for Henry Golding. He looked great. He looked hilarious, but great. I didn't have a bad time. Yeah, I like kind of enjoyed myself. Like in general, I think I had like a so bad it's good kind of experience. And there were certain moments where I was like, I'm kind of moved, but then like something insane would happen. For instance, at the end when they read the letter, which is classic romantic literature, but then she started running and I burst out laughing. (laughs) What are you going to do? I I didn't mind like that so much, but I just like didn't really feel much chemistry between the two of them. So I wasn't really into that situation, which sucked because I was here for the yearning. But like what is left? Well, I mean, just, you know, Dakota Johnson's aside to the camera, I guess. Look, I apparently didn't need very much. Her walking with her hair down was like fine, like for me. Yeah, like you watched Persuasion like it was a trailer for Pride and Prejudice. And I didn't, if I watched the movie and I forgot that I was watching Persuasion, which was easy, then I had a much better time. Well, that's key, right? Because so basically, as soon as the movie started, Dakota Johnson said the words single and thriving. And I was like, oh, I see what I'm in for. And... Matt made an argument that he was like, I think like normal people are enjoying this. And I was like, I think this is a little bit of an underestimation of like, who are you talking about? But I I think he meant that modernizing might make persuasion more accessible. But I was a little bit like, why would you not just adapt more or less? Yeah, that, that was that was odd. Again, I don't mind that they're, like, trying to modernize it or trying to, like, whatever. I just am, like, if anyone is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to check out the book after this, they're going to be like, oh, this Anne, like, she's really different. (laughs) Well, Anne had, like, a blurting out problem that I was like, why is this her version of Awkward now? Yes, why is she, like, recounting her octopus dream? I thought it was funny, but it didn't seem like her. As the movie progressed, I realized that my Bridget Jones comparison was fairly apt. Yes, which is unfortunate because that's Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, but also Bridget Jones is so much more. Yeah, Bridget Jones is just his own thing. I also was like, what is up with the rabbit? Oh, yeah, I don't know. The rabbit was very cute, but I was like, why does she have a pet rabbit that she seems to like carry around like a Bond villain? (laughs) 
She could have probably talked to either the camera or the rabbit. She maybe didn't need both. That's true. Uh, We have not talked about my favorite character in this film, which was... Her terrible sister. (laughs) Her awful sister is also awful slash funny in the book. But truly, I was like, she might be the best character in this adaptation. (laughs) She's my favorite. She was the best thing about the film. Mary was amazing. I'm so glad that we're on this. Oh my god, how could we not be? Mary said all of my favorite lines. You know I detest metaphor. Life is fragile and fleeting. It's made me realize how important it is to spend time away from one's children. Oh, just because I hate something means I don't want to do it? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Despite being the most accomplished decoupage artist of the three of us. (laughs) She was amazing. Just incredible. I also liked Vain Dad. Like... When he was leaving, giving instructions, being like, I don't like the idea of anyone else enjoying my shrubberies. I was like, this might be the best line. But it was very, very early. And it was before we had met Mary. So I didn't yeah. know yet that Mary was going to happen. You didn't happen. know a great thing was about to happen to you. <laughs> but Matt made us rewind so that I wouldn't miss the fact that a painting of himself passes behind him while he's having that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um... Though I would like to note that in the scene where Mary says that she detests metaphor, I then got annoyed with Wentworth because he was being like, that's a simile. And I was like, that's a type of metaphor. (laughs) Maybe at that point, I was just like kind of annoyed with Wentworth. He brought me nothing in this film. I was indifferent. Like, I feel like I went from positive to indifferent to kind of annoyed back to indifferent. Yeah, he, like, he wasn't good looking enough for me to be like, oh, great, you know, at least, like, he couldn't even give me that. He couldn't just, like, be still and handsome. (laughs) I don't, like, not get it, but I was not into it and the performance didn't help. Yeah, no, like, it was, it was nothing. It was nothing for me. So the miscommunication that I didn't elaborate on that I kind of, I basically was like, oh, I forgot that this is what happens, that the sister-in-law, the adorable sister-in-law who basically gets a concussion and then, you know, is left there and hears about the engagement and she thinks that the captain that the sister-in-law has gotten engaged to is Captain Wentworth, but it's actually this other captain who was a widower and was kind of hanging around. I had forgotten that that was the twist. Yes. No, I when we met Benwick, I was like, oh, right, he's the one who... I, by the way, was like, oh, is it pronounced Benick? Because that's what they keep saying. Oh, I guess it is. Oh, right. Yeah, that is what they said. But in my head, I was like, Benwick, because that's how it's written. Yes, yeah, so I literally wrote down, Benwick is Benick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my, like, non-Mary Dad favorite lines was when Anne is being encouraged to be friends with Benick, I guess because they're both, like, bookish, basically. And the guy who asks her to do that says something about like, I can do like blah, 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 but not talk about the Greeks. And she says, what's the source of his sorrow? Home from Troy and there's another man in his bed? Sorry, Agamemnon joke. (laughs) And I was like, not that this belongs in a persuasion adaptation, but it was funny. I wrote, I've decided to accept the situation. (laughs) There were like so many moments where I was like, this is funny, like out of context i mean like in context too but the context is weird because the context is it's both like some of the lines were independently funny and some of the lines were just funny because what is happening yeah but mainly i think the experience was so odd because of the wild seesaw between like completely accurate jane austen tone and like okay so at one point 
when they're first talking about having to rent the house and leave, I don't know who says this, but someone basically says like, well, you know, like, as they say, if you're a five in London, you're a 10 in Bath. Oh, that was um, the, what's her face? The, the, the widow. Oh, the... Mrs. Clay? Mrs. Clay is Elizabeth's friend who's like has like designs on like their father. Yeah. So, okay. First of all, this lady is hanging around and uh, they're worried that their dad's going to marry her a little bit or like the heir is worried. But then he gets with her. I couldn't remember. Is that a ploy or does he actually? The cousin? Cousin Henry Golding. Was it just to get her away from dad? I I don't, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember either. We're terrible hosts, but it's fine. Anyway, I couldn't get over the five in London, ten in Bath thing. I don't think the internet liked that one either. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm having a good time. Yeah. But then near the end, when Anne is like kind of into Henry Golding, but suspicious, she's being like, ah, like no one like that handsome, blah, blah, blah. And she says, never trust a 10. And we were just joking. Like that famous Jane Austen saying, (laughs) never trust a 10. (laughs) Never trust a 10. Jane Austen. (laughs) But you know, they'd be a 15 in Bath. Yeah, there you go. Whoa. Too much. (laughs) Too much for the streets of Bath. (laughs) Anyway, so I found it difficult (laughs) to decide as I was like categorizing the lines I wrote out, like, are these bests? Are these worst? But I do have some worst. Do you have any more bests before we move on? Oh, do I have any more bests? Yes. My, so I did say, you know, Mary's, all of Mary's stuff, best, Mary, best, Mary, queen of every (laughs) scene she's in, best. Um, In fact, Mary even stole the scene when she sent that freaking letter to... And and it was like, I'm very sick. Please come. Frowny face. That was my favorite. Matt was like, was that an emoji? Yeah, it was great. I I do think maybe if the movie had either like leaned more into the absurdity or like, or or played it more straight, like it could have worked better in either direction, but they chose this like weird middle ground. Yes, it was like half BBC, half Clueless. (laughs) Yeah, and I would have been really happy with all Clueless if they had gotten Anne's characterization more, like, you know, more accurately. Like I, and that would have been easy. Like all they literally had to do was make her talk to the camera and then be like really dour in the presence of other people. It's not just like the devices they chose. It was truly the very odd mix of lines they chose to update. I know. Anyway, that was my my best. Do I have worsts? I don't know. I mean, like, look, I've just, I just, you know, I decided midway through the film that I didn't care for Cosmo Jarvis. So <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't think I like this guy. Meh. I think there were a couple of moments where I was like, oh, I could be moved by this. But then they like weren't notable enough to actually make these lists. I will say that I truly hated the line, we're worse than exes, we're friends or whatever. Like I was like, I hate this. So this is like when they're in Lyme, I guess, like becoming friends again or whatever. And first of all, I really enjoyed how this movie wanted to make sure we didn't miss any of the crucial plot points. So it was like, we overhear them talking about Anne being too proud. And then like a scene later, it's like, don't be so proud, Anne. And then, and then Wentworth was being like, and I asked myself in an emergency on a ship, like, what would Anne do? W-W-A-E-D. Yeah, there we go. And then... Um, he says like, yeah, like you're always best in an emergency. And I was like, ah, foreshadowing that soon there will be an emergency. I mean, look, this film clearly thought its whole audience was <laughs> full of morons. It was like, do you, do you get it? Was this too subtle for you? I'm sorry. You probably couldn't follow the uh, Pride and Prejudice 
What's odd though is that like your average modern rom-com has a lot more plot. Yeah. So like I don't know why this would have been so difficult to follow. Anyway, I wrote here like I don't hate him the way Matt does, but he's not amazing. Dakota looks incredible. But then like the next bullet point is and then she said now we're worse than exes. We're friends and I wished I were dead. Yep, accurate. <laughs> And then she walked into the sea and I thought she was going to drown herself like in the awakening. <laughs> yeah, but we think this every time a woman in period dress is walking into the ocean. We're like, oh no, it's the awakening. And she was fully clothed. Like that. That was weird. I was like, is she? I mean, like, I guess she can't like strip off. But she was having like a pleasant swim. And I was like, how? I know. I was like, isn't this fabric like dragging around her ankles? Whatever. It's like, I clearly put too much thought into this moment. I will say like, I think. The thing that was maybe worst for me in terms of a thing that they tried to make modern, but it was super weird, was when she had her like stalker box of Wentworth information. Oh my God, the playlist. Yes. She was like, oh, I have all these newspaper clippings. First of all, he rescues a beached whale as onlookers weep. <laughs> Is that a thing they did in this time? I, I mean, like I was clearly under the impression that one needed many people to rescue a beached whale, but... But also then later she says something else about like redirecting for a whale. And I was like, is this multiple whales? Is the same whale? I have a lot of questions. Oh, I like, assumed is... it was the same whale. Do you think it was more than one whale? No, no, you're probably right. But <laughs> but it wasn't clear. Oh my God, that's so funny. Because now you've introduced this possibility to me. <laughs> like this is man just attracting whales? That Wentworth is like... Whale man? So I was like, what's with her and rabbits? What's with him and whales? But this box, okay, she had a lock of his hair. Weird, but okay. A lock of horse hair. Weird. And then the playlist thing is she has what appears to be a stack of sheet music. Yep. Matt just started singing the Avenue Q song about like he made a mixtape. Because <laughs> what is happening? What is I happening? I feel... That the idea of a playlist did not exist at this time, but maybe I'm wrong. Look, the the things that they chose to like make modern were were weird. The reason, by the way, I was like, I don't know if I'm just not remembering, is that she does have a cowbell in there. And she says, whose sad, empty Nell best captures my melancholy. And I was like, is there a cowbell that's significant in this novel that I don't remember? I don't remember. I don't think so. It was just like, it was Austin for 20 seconds and then suddenly, I don't even know, like the notebook. It also wasn't Bridgerton. Bridgerton doesn't have these anachronisms. Yes, I think Bridgerton chooses to be stylistically modern. Yes. And to modernize, obviously, with their colorblind casting and to like sometimes try to justify it, which is a little weird. Yeah, I wish they just would stop, but... <laughs> just like ignore it. Probably gonna be easier. Yeah. But they, I think... Either way would have worked, but it was odd to like lapse back and forth between period dialogue and modern dialogue. I know. I keep thinking of The Favorite, which um, I don't think you watched, but I really love that film. And Is that the one you told me not to because there's so much vomit? Oh, maybe maybe there is a oh maybe there is a ton of vomit. I don't remember. Anyway, so um, that one is great. It also has like a very modern, but it's more absurd, which fits with the film. Whereas you don't really think of persuasion adaptation and absurdity in the same sentence. I mean, maybe now you do, but... It was a little as if multiple people had made cuts of this film and then they kind of pieced it together. But I will say, I kind of... It was slow. Yes, it, for it was. For being so yeah. weird. 
but I kind of enjoyed myself. Yeah. I mean, l- let's be honest. Persuasion, the book is slow. I'm very sorry to our listeners who might love Persuasion. We enjoyed some of it. Yes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I've always found Ellie Elliot to be so dull. But I think it's also key that when you say always, you mean since two years ago when we read this book. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was like, why is she so boring? Neither of us read Persuasion as children. And I think that it we would feel very differently about it if we had. Yeah. Because there's definitely old timey literature that I was like able to find engrossing as a child that now I probably wouldn't. I think I would have found Persuasion even more boring when I was younger. That is possible for you. Right. Because like Jane Eyre, like also a bit of a wet blanket, but shit tons of things happen in Jane Eyre. It's like crazy up in there. Jane Eyre's a different tone of book. Although she is dull for some of it. It is maybe another situation where things just kind of happen around her. Yeah, but those things are more exciting than things that are happening around (laughs) Elliot. For context, my favorite classic book is Little Women. And I believe that once when Alex was in my dorm, she started reading it and fell asleep. So I did eventually read Little Women. I enjoyed it. Uh Uh-huh. But it Uh was much later. Uh uh Uh-huh. Too little, too late. (laughs) Whereas I love Jane Eyre. (laughs) I do not love the Bronte books, but you can't say they're dull. No, you can't say that. (laughs) I always thought you preferred Wuthering Heights. I love Wuthering Heights because everyone is totally crazy. Oh yeah, they're all wacko. And if you wrote out a family tree, you'd be like, why do you all have kind of the same name, but not the same name? It's fascinating. I love it. It's, It's almost flowers in the attic. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess we've covered bests and worsts. And just repeated ourselves a lot. Yeah. Um, so we have our POC count, which in this film was pretty good. Yeah, the whole Musgrove family. So like her brother-in-law, their kids, his sisters, Ben Wicknick. Yep. Oh, Lady Russell, we didn't talk about, but that's like mom's friend. Who's going on a sex tour of Europe, which that was weird too. Um, (laughs) One of the persuaders. Yep. Uh, Henry Golding. So lots, lots of that. I I really do enjoy the colorblind casting trend and I hope they continue. Too bad Henry Golding couldn't have been Wentworth. I know. I think everyone wishes that. Maybe I'm just projecting. I could believe that he was poor than handsome. Yes. Or rather poor and handsome and and now is rich. Yeah, I don't think he's poor than handsome. But I mean, that does happen, but. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What would you rate this film? I would give it a solid five, I think. Okay, I might say four. I think it goes. Maybe we could say like four and a half. Yeah, I think it goes for four to five for me, just solely based on Dakota Johnson's face. Yeah, she looked great. I have never cared about her face. And then I was like, damn. You look awesome. I also thought her accent was decent. Like, I thought she did a, yeah, she did a good job. Obviously, we're not British, but I feel like. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Never mind. It solely goes from a four to five based on Mary alone. <laughs> I would watch a super cut of Mary scenes. She would love that, clearly. Um, I did enjoy sometimes when, like, she would say things and Dakota would be, like, shockingly self-aware. Like, she knew how horrible she was and was fine with it. And in a way, I respect that. Yeah. I would say um, five out of ten inexplicable bunnies. Okay. I would say four, or maybe if I'll average with you, I would say four and a half beached whales. Mm. Four and a half vain portraits of her father. (laughs) He probably has more than that. Well, 14 and a half in Bath. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You are correct. And with that, (laughs) thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next month. I don't know if our discussion will be as spirited as persuasion, but... (laughs) Um, but we'll talk to you soon. Please follow us on social media. You can see a really great persuasion and better for tweet. 
Wait, can I just read it? I just want to read it because no one's going to look at our Oh, Twitter. yeah, that's true. Okay. Single best thing to come out of this movie is this tweet. Yes, Alex sent this to me right before we recorded, and I like didn't have time to look at it, and she was like, no, 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 you have to look, and I'm so glad I did, because it says, the Benefer saga is a better adaptation of Persuasion than Persuasion 2022. Perfect. And it's so accurate, so although accurate. I will say, Ben Affleck, also an overly interesting version of Anne Elliot. <laughs> Do you think Ben Affleck is the Anne Elliot? Yes, 100%. Oh, you're right. Because he was persuaded to give to... Okay, look, we don't know exactly what happened, but the cultural narrative, as we understand it, is that they broke up for many, ultimately, racist racist reasons, of, like, her not being, you know, suitable or whatever, as well as aggressive press, whatever, but that's not relevant to the persuasion part. And then now she's incredibly successful and still looks great. But... I doubt that they got back together through her leaving a letter that he might or might not find on a table. (laughs) But congrats to them and their nuptials. Wish them all the best. It's a lengthy postscript. I know. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.